Live from Southern California, this is the Jim Rome Show. Why don't we start with a recap of what went down last night? In fact, let me open this thing up with a very simple quote from Packers quarterback Aaron Rodgers after last night's game. (laughs) I just think people like to say a lot of bullshit, and it's nice to come back in here after a game like that. Bam. Have some. And that's for all of you who were cracking back on him last week. Everybody who thought that he was washed or done or bitter or disinterested or that the offseason bled into the regular season and that he was finished and so were the Packers. Quote, people like to say a lot of bull bleep. People like to say a lot of bull bleep is pretty much the truest thing ever said. I mean, seriously, ever. That's just a fact. People do like to say a lot of bull bleep. And there was a metric ton of bull bleep being shoveled at Rodgers and the Packers after last Sunday. People like to say a lot of bull He's right. People do. Now, if you saw Green Bay play New Orleans in week one and said anything along the lines of Aaron Rodgers is done, Aaron Rodgers quit on his team. Aaron Rodgers is mailing it in. If you said anything like that, go ahead and take it back. Go ahead and apologize. Go ahead and take a lap and then never do it again. But I know you won't. I know you won't. And I know you'll just wait until the next time he has a bad game or Tom Brady has a bad game or any of the all-time greats have a bad game. And then you'll come flying right back in with some oh-so-fresh take about how Rodgers is already packing his bags or about how Brady is old and so on and so on. And that Rodgers take last week was a horrible take then, and it's an even dumber take right now. But Rodgers knows that that's all part of the business now. I think that there's even more now than when I started playing. There's so many overreactions that happen on a week-to-week basis. So it's nice to... To come out and have a good performance and get the trolls off our back for at least a week. I get it. Look, I get it. Trolls are a part of the business. Trolls are a part of life. You know, say some bull bleep, get attention, rinse, repeat. I mean, no shortage of folks who can't wait to tell you somebody is washed or finished in an attempt to get you to look at them, react to them, and try to position themselves as the smartest guy in the room. When in reality, they're among the dumbest. And then they're forgotten the second they're proven to be incredibly wrong. The guy went into last week as the reigning league MVP. He had one bad game. And suddenly he was done, washed, finished. And so was his team in the eyes of dopes worldwide. This is Aaron bleeping Rodgers we're talking about, not Chad Henney. And no, I'm not saying the Packers were great last week. Far from it. Nobody would, but there is a difference between a bad game and a bad team, a bad game and a bad quarterback, a bad game and a quitter who quit on his team because of differences that he may have with the front office. And if you can't tell the difference, sit the hell down back in the bleeping shallow end where you belong. But if you were one of those dopes who was running that garbage, Garbage. how you feel right about now? Tell me. How does 22 for 27 for 255 yards and four touchdowns sound? Does that sound like a guy who's washed? Does that sound like a guy who's just counting down the days until he can get to a team that he actually does care about and that he wants to play for long term? Let me answer that for you. Hell no. Did you really think that this guy was not going to show up and be huge last night? Because you should have known that that's exactly what was going to happen. Because that's what he's done every single time they've lost in recent years. He bounces the hell back every freaking time. He's now 7-0 and in the games following a loss since Matt LaFleur arrived. And in the last five of those games, he's had four touchdowns and no picks in every single game. So maybe your reports of his demise were a little premature. Maybe your take was a little idiotic. I mean, does this look like a guy who's mailing it in? Rogers steps and fires. Adams is there and he's got it. Perfect. 
perfect rainbow from Aaron Rodgers to Devontae Adams working on the rookie. Perfect. Does that look like a guy who's washed and doesn't give a damn? Of course not. That looks like the guy who's doing the kind of thing that only he can do. I'm always maintained that Aaron Rodgers is not just a great quarterback. He's the kind of quarterback who makes you pay attention because every single time he takes the field, there is a chance that you're going to see something that you've never seen before. A damn good chance that you'll see something that nobody else can do. And that moment came last night with this frozen rope to Robert Tunyon. Shotgun snap, four-man rush. Rodgers sets, catches, and throws a line drive down the middle. Caught in stride. Pass mark, goal line, touchdown. Robert Tunyon, the tight end. A 22-yard laser thrown by Aaron Rodgers. That's Westwood 1, and that was an absolute dime. You know how many people in the history of the planet can throw that ball? Let me answer that for you. Not many. Not many at all. The number of people who'd have the guts to throw that ball is pretty low. The number who'd have the guts to throw it and then actually execute it is even smaller. But Rodgers did it, and it was just another pass in a night full of absurd passes. I also want to point out that Aaron Jones was every bit as good as Aaron Rodgers last night. 115 yards from scrimmage, four touchdowns. Hell of a night for that guy, and he deserves a ton of love. This is a big, big Aaron Jones house. Except Jones was not getting quite the level of crap that Aaron was last week. And that's why it's all about Rodgers this morning, because there were plays like this one as well. Rodgers off the back foot. What a catch by Adams. Went up to get it. Comes down at the 11, gain of 22. And the Packers are in business. ESPN on that call. Again, let's go find some rooftop and scream that Rodgers just doesn't give a damn anymore just doesn't have it anymore, that he wants the hell out of Green Bay, and that if they don't give him what he wants, he'll just take his ball and go home. Do that for me. Find that rooftop. Scream that. Or find that rooftop and just jump off. Because again, we're talking about the league MVP. We're talking about a guy who's got 16 years under his belt. You play that long, you're going to have a game or two you'd like back, right? You play that long, you're not going to fall apart, though, overnight and just forget how to play the game. And Rodgers certainly didn't. He proved every troll wrong, and he's right. People do like to say a lot of bull bleep, because that's what trolls do. They sling bull bleep. That's what makes them trolls. You'd have to be a complete moron not to think that this guy was going to bounce back and have a huge night after week one. And that's exactly what he did. As you had to know, he would. People like to say a lot of bull People do like to say a lot of bull bleep. And to my guy, Dan Campbell, big dude, this is not on you. You and your team just happen to be on the tracks of an Aaron Rodgers scorned convoy. Your guys played hard. There are definitely no turds there. There's no turds here. There are no turds there. There's no turds here. No shame in that. If you're like me, your weekend plans include kicking back and watching live sports. And it doesn't matter what sport you're watching, it's always fun to have a little action. That's why I recommend downloading the WinBet app right away. Whether you're a recreational player or a serious handicapper, WinBet is your ticket to every exciting wager. From straight bets to parlays, teasers, and any exotic proposition wager that you can dream up. The app is easy to use, and everybody knows Win is one of the biggest and best brands in the gaming industry. So get off the sidelines, join in on the action, download the WinBet app on Google Play or the Apple App Store today and put yourself in the game. Win with WinBet. Terms and conditions at winbet.com. You have to be 21 or older and present in the state where playthrough WinBet is available. If you or somebody you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. Sam Howell is my guest. Sam, it's good to have you on today. How are you? I'm doing good. I appreciate you having me on. Good to have you, Sam. So I mentioned you're coming off a really big game where you had your second straight game of more than 300 yards passing, 100 yards rushing from the outside. And I'm way outside, but from the outside, it looks like the game is moving pretty slowly for you from the inside. And when you're in it, what's it feel like? Yeah, no, it definitely has slowed down a lot, uh, especially since my freshman year. Um, You know, I think, you know, I'm in a really good place mentally with uh, Coach Longo's offense. 
Um, you know, he's doing a really good job getting prepared for the game. So, you know, I just feel really confident. Uh, you know, I think we, we struggled week one um, just on the offensive side of the ball, and I think we've really we found an identity now. We kind of know who we are on offense, and, you know, he's got to keep the momentum going. Sam Howell joining us. Coach Longo, of course, is Phil Longo, the offensive coordinator. You know, Sam, I've talked to Mac Brown about you a number of times. He says that he loves it when you run and then you slide because, quote, he still likes to be physical. I want him to go down. And to quote, you had a lot of success running it in high school and in your first few games as a freshman. So at this point in your career, how would you describe your mentality when you are running the ball? Yeah, I mean, I, d- I definitely want to always try to protect myself when I can. You know, I think you know, these past few games, I probably haven't done a, a, a good enough job of that. You know, I really, though, I'm just trying to do everything I can to help my team win games. And, you know, I, I don't want anyone on my team to be thinking that I'm, I'm worried about myself or my or my career after college. You know, I really just want to give my team everything I got um, every single weekend. And you know, that's just kind of the mindset I have going in every single game. Now, I mentioned Phil Longo, and you did too. He said, quote, that you're more decisive in RPOs this year. Quote, he's getting through pass progression, and he's out, and he's attacking grass now. We pull on an RPO, and it's not there. He's attacking grass. End of quote. I'm kind of curious, like, how does it feel? Have you tried to adapt with the departures of Michael Carter and Javante Williams? And then how does that affect your approach? Yeah, I mean, it affects our our plan a little bit differently on offense. Uh, You know, I think we struggled to get the running game early on, so – you know, I was I was asked to become more of a more of a part of it, but I think in these recent games we've done a really good job uh, running the football. Ty Chandler has really stepped up, um, or our transfer running back. And, you know, Caleb Hood has also stepped up. Um, he's kind of filled that backup running back role. So, you know, we have, we have some backs that we feel really confident in, uh, and we knew it was only a matter of time before they kind of they kind of stepped up. So they've done a really good job, and you know, I think I've I'm running the ball better than I have the first year. So I think it only makes our our running game better. Talking North Carolina quarterback Sam Howell, I get that. Now, you look at your numbers. You've moved past Russell Wilson and into sixth place in ACC history with 77 career touchdown passes. You're only two away from the top five. What's your reaction when you see your name moving up among the greats like that? I mean, on some level, does that feel kind of surreal, or at the same time, does that feel pretty normal and what you expected? Yeah, you know, honestly, it's it's definitely pretty cool. You know, I try not to take those things for granted. Um, You know, I know know it. I'm in a position that not not very many people have, have have been blessed to be in, so I'm just super thankful for for everything um, you know that God has given me in the position that I'm in. Uh, you know, and just to, to hear my name mentioned around names like that is just it's a really big blessing, and it's something I don't take for granted. Sam Howell joining us. I get that. And Sam, you're going to be yourself, and obviously you are going to be your own man and you have your own game. But you look at these numbers. You've passed for more than 7,000 yards in your first two seasons, and the back-to-back games of 100 yards rushing are impressive as well. But then you couple that with the passing yardage. When you look around college or even the NFL, who are the quarterbacks that you do kind of try and learn and model yourself after? Yeah, I mean, that's a good question. I, I really don't think there's one guy that I – I look at, you know, I try to watch most of all, mostly all the top guys in the league, and then I just try to take bits and pieces of their game and try to apply it to mine uh, when I see fit. But you know, I really don't think there's one guy that I watch and try to model my game after. I, I really just try to take take little bits and pieces from everybody's game and try to apply it to my own. Sam, I wonder, like, the season did not get off for the start that you would have hoped with that tough game against Virginia Tech. And in a sense like that, you know how college football is. If you lose, it's easy for guys to kind of go into the tank or get down. It didn't seem like anybody there did. What did you learn from that game? And then what did you learn about your team in terms of how everybody bounced back and responded to that challenge? Yeah, no, it definitely wasn't what we wanted or what we were expecting week one. But, you know, we kind of just told our team, you know, it's, you know, we can either let this one game affect us for the rest of the season or we can just forget about it and move on. And, you know, if anything, everyone kind of needed a reality check. I think the whole program did. And, you know, everyone just went back to, you know, doing everything they need to do to be successful on Saturdays. And, you know, I think that game has really just changed our whole mindset around as a team. And I think it's actually um, – obviously we hate losing the game, but I really think it's it's, it's helped us in a way. Um, and, you know, I feel really good about where we are moving forward. We're talking to Sam Howell for a few more moments. You know, Sam, you made the point that I, I don't want any of my guys to think that I'm thinking about my future and I'm not putting the team first. I get that. I understand that. When you look at your situation, though, your name continues to come up as a Heisman Trophy favorite. Your name continues to come up as a possible first-round draft pick. It would be easy to get caught up or distracted by that. What is your mindset, and how are you dealing with all that attention? Yeah, I man, I really don't try to think about it. You know, I, I think the uh, – 
when you look when you think about down the road, I think the one way I can really help myself is if we're winning football games here. I think that's one way where you could really judge a quarterback is how many football games are winning. Um and you know, and I love my team, I love my teammates and you know, I just wanna wanna be right for them and be fair to those guys and just really just leave it all out there on the line for those guys and you know, that's just the, the type of person I've always been and you know, I just wanna be the best teammate I can for for all my teammates. You know, my thing is, I, I got to be objective. I've always, since I've gotten into this game, this business, I've always tried to be really objective and not play favorites, not fanboy anybody, but I'm not going to lie to you. Mac Brown is one of my favorite people in college football, has long been one of my favorite guys to talk to. What's it been like to play for him? Yeah, it's been awesome. Um, you know, coming in as a freshman, I didn't really know what to expect, um, but no, nah, he's, he's been super awesome. Um, he loves the players. Uh, I think that's the main thing. He's a player's coach. You know, if there's there's something we need that's not getting done. He's going to make sure it gets done. Um, so he's just awesome. Got to be around on a daily basis. And he's really everyone. Everyone kind of says that they have a family atmosphere, but he's really great at that here. Um, so it's just a super fun time to, to be here at Carolina, and it's all credit to him. All right, so before I go, I got to ask you: with all the work that you've done, with all the work that he's done, you've raised the level of expectations for the program, brought a lot of juice and a lot of attention to the program. I know you're not looking to take credit for that, but what's it been like watching the attention and the expectations and the vibe and the energy around that program grow as quickly as it has in a relatively short period of time? What's it been like to be a part of that and see that? No, it's been amazing um, just to be here in such a great turnaround. Uh, it's just awesome. You know, it's a, I really try not to take take any credit. You know, I'm just there's a lot. There's been a lot of really good players and coaches around me that that's kind of helped us get to where we are. Uh, you know, I, I knew coming in that we had a we had a lot of really talented guys on the team, and you know, if I just do the best I can to get those guys the ball and do a good job leading these guys, then I think we would be in a good 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 spot as a program. And I think that's that's where we are now. And it's really just credit to Coach Brown. You know, he's, he he knows what it takes to get to the top and. You know, he's got the whole team bought in, so we're just kind of following his leadership and kind of seeing where this thing takes us. Hey, Sam, one last thought. You've been really good with your time, but I want I want people to understand that the program had won five games in the two years before you arrived, and now you can legitimately talk about competing for an ACC championship and a national championship, literally. So what exactly did you see in that program before you got there that lets you know that's a place where you could have that kind of success? Yeah, man, I just think I, I spent a lot of time um, up here as a recruit, and I just would see the talent they had, and I, I really just thought that you know the results you see on the scoreboard on, on on every Saturday was not was not really who the team was, and you know, I really didn't know what the problem was, but you know all I wanted doing here it was come in with a winning mindset and just challenge everybody on a daily basis and do the best job I can for this team, and you know I think that that's kind of helped us get to where we are today. Man, trust that process. There it is. UNC is 2-1. and one. They're number 20 in the coaches poll. They're taking on Georgia Tech on Saturday. And again, he is your ACC quarterback of the week coming off an enormous game. Sam, appreciate you. Appreciate that nice interview. Great to have you on the show, Sam. Thanks so much. Yeah, appreciate it for having me. Hey, you want to hear something amazing? Discover matches all the cash back that you earn on your credit card at the end of your first year automatically with no limit on how much you can earn. Now, how amazing is that? In fact, it's even more amazing because of all the places where Discover is accepted. 99% of places in the U.S. that take credit cards, that's where. So when it comes to Discover, get used to hearing yes more often. Learn more at discover.com slash yes. 2021 Nielsen Report. Limitations do apply. So Sunday was absolutely brutal on quarterbacks in terms of some guys having really terrible games and other guys getting just physically battered. So I mentioned there's an update on Tyrod Taylor. He's going to miss a few weeks with a hamstring injury. He's definitely going to miss Thursday's game against the Panthers because of that injury. So if you thought that meant that Deshaun Watson was finally going to come out of the, quote, other category, as they've been listing him on the depth chart, and then make his season debut finally, you could not have been more wrong. That's not happening. And that is just not going to happen. That's never going to happen. He does not want to play for the Texans. The Texans do not want him to play for them. How hard are they working to make sure that he doesn't play for them? (laughs) How hard? This hard. They're going to start Davis Mills Thursday night. How hard? This hard. They're going to call up Jeff Driscoll from the practice squad. They've got a three-time Pro Bowl quarterback and the guy who led the league in passing last year on the roster, but they're probably going to go with a rookie and a journeyman as their quarterbacks this week. 
Now, if I told you at this time a year ago that this is how this would play out, man, you would have never believed it. If I told you that the Texans would have a healthy Deshaun Watson available but would instead go with Davis Mills and have Jeff Driscoll back him up, you would have thought that I'd gone insane. And I would have thought so too. But that is literally how strange and how weird this situation is. He can play technically. He can. But he won't play in reality. There are 22 active lawsuits pending against him. But it's not like the league has said you can't play him. The league still has not ruled on anything. But he's still not going to play. And again, if you're surprised by that, you shouldn't be. Nobody should have seen that Taylor injury and thought, oh, I wonder if that means Deshaun Watson's going to play now. What does that mean for Watson? It doesn't mean anything for Watson. He's in a state of limbo. So is that team. They're both on ice when it comes to this situation, and that's just not changing. At this point, it's pretty clear this guy has played his last down for the Texans. Like, every single person who has ever played quarterback in the NFL could get injured and they would still find somebody not named Deshaun Watson to start next week. As I said, I will be under center for the Texans before Deshaun Watson is. So we don't need a weekly update on that story. Just let us know if anything changes. But there is no need for the regular updates on Deshaun and the Texans. No need to wonder how this is going to impact Deshaun Watson. It's not. He doesn't want to play for them. They don't want him playing for them. I will be there before he is. And I've never taken a single snap. However, there is one team that does need a regular update. Not the Texans, but there is one team that does need a regular quarterback update, and that is the Chicago Bears. Because Andy Dalton left Sunday's game with a knee injury, and Justin Fields replaced him. So exactly what does that mean? Where does that leave them? Does that mean the Justin Fields era is about to begin? Is Justin Fields the starter there? And the answer is, nah, let's not get into that. Uh, let's not get into that yet. I mean, it seemed pretty clear, right, that it is time now to start the clock on him? Nah, not really. Uh, let's not get into that Because Bears yet. coach Matt Nagy answered the question as only he could answer that question. Andy's healthy. Is he your starter? If Andy is healthy, is he your star? Uh, that's something that I'm not going to get into with scheme. That's not scheme. Of course, of course it is. That, that's, that's 100% scheme, Brad. That's 100% scheme. Yeah, actually, Matt, no, it's not. No, it's not 100% scheme. It's not 100% scheme. It's 100% asking the question, is the guy still your starter if he's healthy? What does scheme have to do with that? How does scheme enter into that? That's 100% scheme, Brad. What the hell does that even mean? How, how does scheme enter into a very simple, straightforward question that seemingly everybody in the world knew was coming except the coach himself? Like, he handled that question so terribly that five minutes after the news conference ended, a team official went into the media room to announce that Dalton is still the Bears' starting quarterback if he's healthy. According to reports, the team officially stated that Nagy misunderstood the question. Maybe we can run that exchange back. What is to misunderstand about this question? If Andy's healthy, is he your starter? If Andy is healthy, is he your starter? Uh, that's something that I'm not going to get into with scheme. That's not scheme. Of course, of course it is. That, that's, that's 100% scheme, Brad. That's 100% scheme. You didn't understand the question. How's that possible? You repeated the question back when it was asked. Well, you understood it. You just didn't answer it. You understood it. You repeated it and then dodged it by saying that it was scheme. And then when you got called out on that dodge... You stood firm in that dodge and called the reporter by his first name. That's 100% scheme, Brad. It's scheme. No, it's not. It's 100% scheme, Brad. Let me tell you something about Matt Nagy. He understood the question. He just answered it 
in a way that only Matt Nagy would answer it, which is to make it more of a mess, a bigger problem, and more complicated than it had to be. And you know you've done a terrible job in your press conference if a team PR person has to come running back into the room five minutes after that same press conference to answer the one question that mattered most that the head coach did not answer. And that's definitely not making anybody feel any better about that quarterback situation or the head coaching situation. Like, it's one thing to have a quarterback controversy. It's another to have a head coach who doesn't even know how to answer questions about that controversy. Like, how did you not have a good answer locked and loaded for, if Andy is healthy, is he your starter? I mean, dude, did you think that that was not going to come up? Did you really think that the press was not going to ask the one question that everybody has been asking since the team drafted Justin Fields? Did you think the day after Andy Dalton was injured that the press would just kind of forget to ask about him and his status and whether or not he was still the starter? Did you think they were not going to ask the only question that mattered? Because it sure seems like the case. It sure seems like you didn't know that was coming. And if you didn't know that was coming, that sure seems like that'd be a terrible move. So then the question is this. Did you just not plan an answer or did you not have a plan? One is bad. The other is a disaster. Hey, look, I get it. I get it. It's tricky. You would love for the opposition to have to plan for both quarterbacks. In the ideal world, Dalton even would be healthy and starting this Sunday against the Browns because you feel like Fields is not ready yet. That's cool. That's fine. Except that's not the world we're living in right now. So you need to figure out what to do. If Fields starts on Sunday, does Dalton get the job back when he's healthy? Or is it the Justin Fields show? And is that about to start? And it's not going to stop. Hey, Whatever you do, whatever you do, don't ask Matt Nagy, because apparently that's scheme. That's 100% scheme, Brad. Not, not even apparently, but 100%. I would say that's allegedly, but scheme, Brad. it's 100% scheme. Yeah, just don't ask this guy, because either he doesn't have a plan, or he can't articulate that plan, and neither of those answers are good. It's 100% scheme? Now, you know what that is? That's 100% lame. That's 100% scheme, Brad. Are you craving some protein after a good workout? This time, do not make a shake or eat a bar. Instead, grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Why Old Trapper? Because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty and tender and made with real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business. I know, I've spoken to this family. And they take their smoked beef extremely seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. Like, who wants dried, rough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper, though, is the real deal. It comes in four amazing flavors. Old-fashioned, sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. So the next time you want a great protein and energy snack that you can have anywhere, anytime, reach for Old Trapper Beef Jerky. Look for it in the Clearview bag. That way you can see the quality you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. If you don't see it, clones, ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what is your beef? Two weeks' time, the Manning Bros have done something that the Suits have struggled with for years, and that's figure out the Monday Night Football broadcast, right? It used to be not only the most important thing in sports, it used to be one of the most important TV shows, like on the programming grid, in any genre, on any network. It used to be that. And in recent years, it hasn't really been that, right? And they're trying to figure it out. And, you know, that's not me taking a run at the current guys in the booth. I'm not doing that at all. But there has been turnover, right? They've tried to figure it out. It's pretty obvious. So where do Pinky and Eli come in? Well, they've got their own crack. And what they do is they counter-program against, well, themselves or against the network. And what they're doing is different, right? It's really different. It's a different kind of broadcast. And in this case, different is really good. 
In fact, I'm going to go as far as to say damn good. And I'm going to run out of time here. I need more time to develop this thought. But what the Manning bros are doing is their damn thing. It's really good. You know, the first broadcast got off to kind of a rough start in week one, but you don't understand that. They've never done anything like that before. But credit to Peyton for doing what he did his entire NFL career. He called an audible. He adjusted on the fly. And then they finished their first game pretty strongly. He's doing some of that. And then in week two, last night, they were even better. Like they trimmed some of the fat. Fat. And then they continued to offer insightful analysis. So what you're getting is you're getting insightful analysis from a pair of football royalty bros. You know, it's great to have played the game. It's great to have played the game at the highest level. But if you're not willing to share the insight, if you're not willing to give us anything anecdotally, it doesn't matter how well you play the game or how high you play the game. If you've got all this information and you're not willing to share it, it doesn't matter. And not everybody who's put in front of a micro camera is willing to share it. And these guys, by the way, I thought might be a little reluctant to share what they know. You got a couple of Lombardis each, and you've got a lot of insight. And then we've seen these guys, right? Not the funniest guys, kind of canned, except what we're getting is something kind of raw, kind of real. Some of these jokes are actually landing, like it works. And then they'll mix in guests, and the guests work. Pat McAfee comes on, that's going to work. You know, Pat does his thing, which is a good thing. And then lo and behold, what do we have? One Robert James Gronkowski. And given how well things are going for Gronky on the field right about now, and the fact that dudes love the game is returned, you had to know that something awesome was going to happen. And sure enough, old Gronky delivered. Gronky! And it was easy for Eli to find Gronky's sweet spot. As easy as it's been for Tommy for the first two weeks of the NFL season. See, all Eli did was ask old Gronky a basic question as to how much film he watches, if any at all. Gronky took it from there, saying that his teammate Cameron Brait had approached him with the exact same question. He goes, do you ever watch film? And I said, no. I don't. It's I just run by guys. If, I, if I'm feeling good, I'm feeling good. <laughs> so I don't know how to answer that. Eli. I, don't, I don't watch film, but I do watch keep film it simple. When, when the team is showing it. <laughs> and every once in a while, I watch games like right now and study them. But I actually, you know, definitely do I, yeah, check the I see you taking notes and everything. Me. Yes. And I actually do go up to Tom because I know Tom watches like, I don't know, 40 hours of film a week. I go, Tom, who's covering me this week? What type of coverages are they doing? This is so good. This is so, Both those answers were so amazing. Gronk goes, do I watch film? No. What I do is I just run by guys when I'm feeling good. And then says, do I watch film? No, but I know Tom does like 40 hours a week, so I just go up to him and I ask him. It's like the most Gronk answer ever. I mean, not the least bit surprising, but what an incredible answer from Gronky. In other words... Why would I waste time studying for the test when old Tommy already has the answers to the test? Am I right, Gronky? Tommy the Gronky! Honestly, I kind of respect the hell out of it. I mean, call Gronky what you want, but make sure you call this dude efficient as well. And smart. Like, why waste time, right? No wonder he'd rather retire than play with another quarterback. It's because some other quarterback might actually make him watch film. But with Tommy, Gronky doesn't have to. Am I right, Gronky? But as good as that was, I got to admit, Peyton's comments on Tommy and Gronky's old team, the Patriots, were even better. Like I said earlier, the broadcast offers insightful analysis witty comebacks, some good guests, but then it offers something new. Pinky's conspiracy theories. Well, maybe actually accurate takes by Peyton, but we'll call them conspiracy theories for now, Chouds. He was offering them up early. Check out this transition on how the Packers were running the ball frequently to a sick burn on the mumblers' mysterious, alleged mysterious ways over the years. I felt like the Packers were listening to Eli, you and I, our conversation on Friday about 
we got to come out and run the ball. I, I think I think our I think our conversation was bugged. You know, kind of like the Patriots used to do back in the day. <laughs> he went there, Hood. Take some Spygate smack. Wow. I know it can be frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry. I know it can be frustrating, especially if you're in a hurry or you're running late, to find yourself stuck at a railway crossing waiting for a train. And if the signals are going and the train's not even there yet, you might feel tempted to try to sneak across the tracks. Don't do it. Ever. To the naked eye, trains often appear to be further away and moving slower than they actually are. But the fact is they cannot stop quickly. Even if the engineer hits the emergency brakes right away, it can still take a train over a mile to stop. Over a mile. By that time, it's way too late. And the result is a potentially deadly crash. The point is this. You cannot possibly know how quickly the train is going to arrive. The train cannot stop quickly. Even if the train sees you, it can end in disaster. If the signals are on, the train is on its way. And you need to remember one thing. Stop. Just stop. Trains can't. Paid for by NHTSA. All right, so I mentioned that I would take a telephone call. So why don't we do that? Once again, 1-800-636-8686. Let's go to Iowa. Nick in Iowa. What's going on, Nick? How are you? Hey, Jimmy. What's up, man? What's up, dude? Hey, so listen. uh, Went to Vegas last week, first time ever. And we went to the Iowa State UNLV game. As we're making our migration to the Death Star, on the way, we needed a little grub. And I kept saying all week, listen. Rome loves Javier's, talks about it all the time. We try booking Friday, they're booked. Try booking Saturday, booked. So I go to my buddy, hey, listen, let's stop in, see if we can get in. We roll up to the hostess stand, and I'm in my cyclone tanker and a pair of jorts <laughs> holding a natty light. She said, hey, we're full. I said, hey, listen, Jim Rome sent me. Suddenly, a table of four opens up. Come on, dude. Come on, I man. Come on, man. I had a Dude, that's not true. Come on, Nick. You're making that up, man. I know that's not true. No, true story. Had the had the Javi margarita, chicken fajitas. Let me tell you, salsa, game changer. So we make it to the Death Star, which had 35,000 fans there. Said that it was the seventh largest fan base they've had in a UNLV game. About 28 to 30 of them were Cyclones. Thousands. So anyway... Met a guy there. He is running the cameras above the field. And he said he worked for CBS. I said, hey, you know Jim Rome? He goes, yeah, I know Jim Rome. Met him, met him one time. Met a few of the XR4TI guys as well. So anyway, great time. And uh, I was hoping next time we go, I don't get stood up by Callan Vegas in the airport because I was really waiting for him to rip my beard off and make me eat it. But, uh, but anyway, thanks for the jungle karma. Let's go clones. And uh, can't wait to get back out to Vegas next time. My man, you got it, Nick. Thank you very much. I don't know if any of that's true. You can follow him on Twitter at ScottPioli51. Host of a new podcast called Tapeheads along with Dan Orlovsky. And that's available twice weekly wherever you listen to your podcasts. At Al, in fact. Scott, it is so good to have you on the program. How are you? Oh, Jim, it's great to be back with you. Gosh, it's been way too long. Hey, I love the intro with uh, a little Iggy Pop. I mean, who does that? Me, me for about thirty years. (laughs) (laughs) You guys got listen, right? I know. I appreciate you saying that. I appreciate Iggy. Iggy deserves some respect and some love, and it's long overdue. And I'm glad you gave it to him. I should have done it sooner. Listen, before we get to the podcast, and it's so good to have you back, Scott. In the start of the year, how are you doing? How is your life right about now? You sound great. How you feeling? I'm doing well. I'm, I really appreciate you asking. I'm doing well. We've uh, had a little life transition here. Our one and only daughter graduated, so we moved out of Atlanta, and uh, we are back up in the Northeast. So uh, life is good right now. I really appreciate you asking. Jim. Glad Thank to hear that, Scott. Good stuff. All right, so as a team executive, I'm curious, what are the first two games of the season like for you? Like, how many conclusions can you legitimately draw from two games, and then how does that impact decision-making going forward? Well, I I don't know if you can jump to too many conclusions, but it's starting to give you a little bit of pattern of a pattern of clarity. 
would be the best way to say it. Because you're seeing some things in the first two weeks. Your coaches are trying to figure out what works, what doesn't work with the players that you have, the new players. I mean, some of that was obviously taken care of in the preseason. For some of the teams that have newer leadership, I really believe that you can't overreact and get too positive or too negative. So I think you're sorting through a lot of things at this point in time. You have an idea what your team is going to be and what it's going to be like, and you're finding, you know, the the, the big thing is how healthy are you week to week. So it's uh, to me, I am just not a, a big believer in overreactions in any way, Jim. We're talking to Scott Pioli. He's got a brand new podcast called Tape Heads, which we will get into momentarily. So, Scott, to that point that, like, you don't want to overreact to anything either way. Like, Buffalo lost to Pittsburgh as an example in the home opener. Then they go on the road. They beat the Dolphins 35 nothing. I understand Tua went down with injury. I know this. The Bills are looking to win a Super Bowl. But how significant was that bounce-back win for Buffalo? I think it was really important. And I think it was important how they did it, Jim. You know, one of the things that kind of surprised me in the opener was that they didn't commit to the running game a little bit more. They threw the ball, I want to say, 51 times in the opener. And Brian Dable is a really good offensive coordinator who knows the running game and respects the running game. And to me, I thought from an offensive standpoint, things had to change. And Brian corrected that right out of the gate. You know, I mean, the big run for the touchdown at the beginning of the game was, was, was really important because a couple of things happened. We had two big downfield blocks, one by Emmanuel Sanders, one by Feliciano, the left guard, and then a kickout block. And it, it looked like, oh, there's running football. That makes things a lot easier for Josh Allen and the rest of the offense. So I was waiting for them to establish the run game, and they did. Then on the flip side, again, not that the Miami Dolphins are currently a – offensive juggernaut, but their defense came in and laid the wood, and they needed that. That's part of what their identity, a big part of what their identity was last year. So I think that they did a great job in terms of getting to a market correction in week two. Scott Pioli is a three-time Super Bowl champion, a five-time executive of the year. He's got a brand new podcast. He joins us once again. Scott, I'm curious about Cowboys-Rams game. The Cowboys ended up winning that game on a late field goal by Greg Zerline Mm -hmm. that appeared to bail Mike McCarthy out. Maybe that's harsh, but maybe that's the case because McCarthy was saying that there were issues, Scott, on the sideline regarding his ability to see the clock and that the clock didn't really appear for him to see. What do you make of that explanation? And is that something the league needs to look into? Oh, I think this is a great question, and you're on to something here, Jim. I, you know, I know Mike McCarthy, and I trust him in his word. And here's what I will say. I've been into new stadiums, and this is a brand-new stadium. Been into new stadiums, and you have to locate the clock. You have to have an assistant coach that locates the clock. So during the game, you can have that coach paying attention to it. And it's interestingly, I on Twitter last night, I heard what Mike said, and I went back to the film, and I looked at what ended up being a TV copy. And when you look at the stadium at that moment, in the background, it's nearly impossible to find the clock clock is not set alone in a space where it's prominent. The clock is part of one of those video bands or the light. I, again, I'm not smart enough in marketing to know what they call those bands that go around the inside of the stadium where they put up advertising, they put up clocks, they put up everything. And what was happening in that moment, I talked to someone that was there. They have these, these lights that are almost like strobe lights when they're flashing different screens on and off, on and off, and it becomes a real distraction visually. And my understanding was if you were in that stadium trying to look at where the clock was, it was a real problem. There needs to be a prominent place not only for the play clock but for the game clock. It was easy for all of us to be sitting there and say, oh, McCarthy's full of it. You know, I saw it right there on my TV. Well, we have it right there in a small box that the – networks put in a spot for us these new stadiums again i I was there when we opened up mercedes-benz and there were moments in between plays and that's what this was moments in between plays where they're flashing lights on and off on different bands it's nearly impossible to see jim 
I think this is really interesting, Scott, we just said, because I'm not, I got to be transparent. You know, my immediate reaction was, come on, Mike, come on, Mike, really? This is just Mike doing Mike things, but that's really interesting the way you just laid that out. Scott Pioli is joining us. Scott, you also made the point on your podcast, I'm jumping to another topic, you made the point on the podcast that the Browns are close, but they're not quite mature enough as a team to break through and beat Kansas City. I'm curious how you think that plays out. Is that something that comes with time, perhaps over the course of this season, or does maturity come in another way? How does it play out? Well, Jim, I think maturity can happen over the course of the season, and, and I've been a part of teams that you know do mature. They've got a, a number of players that are young players, but entering the the phase of being young into middle age or middle experience. And I think their quarterback is one of those players. And if he stays the path that he was on last year, that will help the entire team mature more. They've got a number of really good players, again, that are getting out of that first contract mentality. And the important thing is, when I made that statement, I meant week one. They're not mature enough. They weren't mature enough to hold on, make a couple of things happen at the end of the game to beat the Chiefs. That doesn't mean that by week, or we'll call it week 18 now, by the time we get to the playoffs, I've seen so many teams improve and grow. I go back to some of our teams when I was with the Patriots. You know, that 2001 season, it, we had a lot of middle-aged players and free agents that we brought in that matured over the course of the season, and we got on a roll, and it obviously didn't stop. I go back to our 2003 season. You know, we got whipped in that opener, but as the season went along, we had younger players and middle-aged players that matured, including a quarterback, even more that allowed us to win. So I think it can happen during the season, Jim. Talking to Scott Pioli. So in terms of Patriots quarterbacks, Scott, we're two games into the season, which means we're two games into Mac Jones as a starter. You spent some time with him at Alabama last season. What did you take away from that experience? Well, what I couldn't get over was his work habits, right? A lot of people talk about players needing good work ethic. And to me, their work ethic and work habits are very different. Mac Jones has a really strong work ethic, and I know a lot of people that have strong work ethic, but if they don't have good work habits to go along with that, sometimes they're just punching into the wind. Mac Jones' routine and his preparation was unlike anything that I've seen or heard from a young player. You know, sometimes when you interview him and you're talking to him, and I got to know Mac spending some time down there, and listen to him describe in detail what he did. Right. A lot of times players will be prepared for interviews and say, well, I do this, this, and this, and it's what their agent told them to do. This kid had examples. So it was his work ethic, it was his work habits, and just his overall preparation was so mature beyond his years that he's not only a smart guy, but he makes good decisions. And sometimes, Jim, those things, too, are distinctly different. Scott, I've never heard anybody make the distinction between work ethic and work habits. Another really interesting point. Scott Pioli is joining us. Scott, really quickly, before I ask you about the podcast specifically, I'm curious about this. From the outside, it seems like the Patriots are playing to the strengths of Jones and not asking him to do too much. What about the Jets? When you see the way they're using Zach Wilson, do you think maybe they're asking too much of him at this point? And what do you make of the way they're using him? And again, I'm not a coach. Right, but I've listened to a lot of smart coaches, and I think sometimes, and Zach is a perfect example, right? We all fell in love with Zach last year in the offseason. He didn't throw a lot of interceptions. Then in the offseason, he had that wow workout. His arm strength, his ability to throw and torque his body and throw from an you know, off-platform position. And sometimes it's like in baseball, right? Everyone loves the long ball. Everyone loves the big arm. But you also have to take a young quarterback and put him in a position to succeed. You mentioned Mac Jones. You know, Mac Jones is leading the league in short and sideways passes because they're putting him in high-percentage situations. Last week against the Patriots, Zach Wilson was put in a situation where his first two passes that went for interceptions were 13 to 15 yards down the field from the line of scrimmage. Maybe allowing him to gain some confidence and use some of his other skilled players that don't need to be don't I would encourage the Jets to not necessarily be seduced by the big arm and feel like just because you have it doesn't mean you gotta use it every moment. Scapioli, my guest. All right, Scott, I mentioned off the very top, you were part of a brand new podcast 
called tape heads. Now, knowing you, knowing your background, knowing how you want to choose to spend your time and invest of yourself, I'm really curious, how did the podcast come to be? Talk about the people involved with it. I'm really curious about how this whole process came about. Yeah, the, the way it came about, I mean, truthfully, you know, I've never had an agent up until I started working uh, in, in media. And David Coonan, who uh, works with the CAA group, came to me and said, Scott, listen, NFL Films and iHeart have this idea. They want to have, a, you know, a couple of people, a, a, a leader, and they chose Bob Wischusen. They wanted to have a former player who's really smart and knows X's and O's, and that's Dan Orlovsky. And then they wanted someone who had some personnel background, who knew X's and O's, but also knew, you know, knew better than X's and O's, knew about players and fit and chemistry. And it sounded like a great idea. And I tell you, um, I know it's work, but I'm having a blast right now. You know, we just we're dropping our third episode today. And, uh, you know, I give uh, David Coonan a lot of credit for working with the folks at iHeart and NFL Films to put this thing together. All right, so really quickly, when you're watching tape now and you're breaking it down and you're preparing for this podcast, which is something different, what types of things and details are you looking for? Well, like when we talked about before, I was talking about what kind of passes are they throwing? Why are they throwing those passes? You know, Dan Orlovsky will break things down from an X's and O's standpoint. Uh, uh, For instance, one of the things we talked about today was in the Giants-Washington football game, Washington football team game from last Thursday, the Giants needed to work on their protection because their offensive line was struggling against one of the best defensive fronts in the NFL. So what were they doing to try to help things out, to give Daniel Jones a little more time? Well, I noticed in one of these plays in the fourth quarter where Jones scrambled for 11 yards, they used Kyle Rudolph on a chip. And just using some of the, again, the, the many years of experience that all of us have in the game, looking at tape, finding plays, and finding out and trying to explain without getting into too much detail how they can work and why they work or why they don't work. I like it. He's an NFL Network and CBS Sports analyst. He is a three-time Super Bowl champion, as I mentioned, a five-time executive of the year, and a new co-host of a brand-new podcast called Tapeheads. Episode 3 drops today, and that's something you want to check out. Scott, appreciate you very much. Great to have you back on the show. Great to hear your voice, and I hope we can do it again really soon. Me too, Jim. You're, you're always so great to be with I, I not only appreciate you, but respect you. Thanks so much for the time. I appreciate Mutual it. respect and appreciation, Scott. Good night, night!